just to be uh, just to be clear, my father-in-law, uh, the very supportive, they're loving. They have this. Uh, we have this running joke that if he's going to bring fresh tomatoes or rotten tomatoes whenever he comes and sees me preach. So, <laughs> so that's the support we're talking about. Well, listen, uh, so uh, as Ron said, uh, my name is Tyler McSwain. I'm uh, on staff as the uh, Director of Outreach Ministries at Metro North Church. And it is such an honor and privilege to be able to come back to worship with you all uh, again. And I am honored that I, get, that I was invited to, to come uh, preach to you all uh, again as well, too. So thank you. But one thing I want to say real quick. You know, uh, two things, really. One, I'm really excited about the pastoral candidate that's coming for y'all. You know, at Metro North Church, we've been praying for this church specifically about that. We pray for it at our Presbytery meeting. And so, uh, you know, for all of you who've been along for the long haul for this ride, you know, it, it's really exciting to see what God's doing and how God works his timing in yet very mysterious ways. But it always, he always comes through, and it's always so encouraging. So I'm glad for that. The other thing I want to say is just thank you so much for being so welcoming uh, to our family. Uh, last time we were here, we just walked away in this church, which is so welcoming and loving. So thank you all uh, for that. So um, this morning, we're going to jump into God's word. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15. And we're going to actually look at what Jesus uh, commands us and regarding the connection between loving him and loving one another. Um, but while you're getting there, if you want to turn in John 15, go ahead. But while you're getting there, I got something I want to show you all. I don't know if any other preacher has done this yet, but here, I brought a prop. <laughs> so I want to show you, this, this, this is a, uh, a, mountain, a mountain bike wheel. Uh, there's three parts to this I want to show you. Obviously, we have the wheel itself. Uh, we have these little uh, things in the middle called the spokes. Uh, and then leading up to the spokes, we have this part that's called the hub, all right? Now, follow along here with me, if you will. I want you to think of the tire representing the whole world, everybody in it. And think of these spokes as representing followers of Christ. And then in the middle of the hub as Christ himself. Now, and I know if you may not be able to see this in the back, don't worry, I got you covered. But, but if you're able to see this, notice the spokes as they're at the wheel, the part of the wheel, how far apart they are from one another. They're, they're good two to three inches apart from one another at the end. But when we get closer to the middle of the hub, these spokes are actually crossing over one another, basically about a, mil, a couple of millimeters from touching one another. But all of, the, all of the spokes get closer to the hub and they get closer to one another, all right? So now why am I showing you this? What, what's the point of all this? If Christ represents the hub, the middle. We as followers of Christ, we were once in the world. And as we get closer and closer to Christ, Christ regenerates our hearts. Christ calls us to him. And as we get closer to Christ, we also should be closer to one another. Well, what, is, what happens though? Well, we say, oh, you know, I'm following Christ. I love Christ. I want to be close to Christ, but I don't want to be close to this person over here. I can love this person next to me, but no, I, I, can't, I can't love this brother or sister over here. We're too different. We don't agree on anything. They, they, they voted differently than me. They have different views than I have. Uh, they, they, you know, just, just who they are, the personality, I just can't get along with them. I don't love this brother. I'll love Jesus and I'll love the people that I'm already close to, but I can't love this brother or sister over here. And there's a problem with that. 
Because as we're about to see here in John 15, Christ commands us that we are not only to love him, but as he draws us closer to him, draws us more and more to his likeness, we're called to love one another. We simply, just like these, these spokes can't help but be close to each other as they get close to the middle, we can't, we simply cannot love Christ and yet hate our brother or hate our sister. So we're going to talk about how do we embrace loving one another as we, uh, as we proclaim to love Christ. So John chapter 15, we're going to be in verses 12 through 17. Uh, if, you're, if you're able and you're willing, would you please stand with me to honor God in the reading of his word. John 15, 12 through 17 says this, and this is Jesus talking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning as a needy people, people who need your love, people, Father, who going through different struggles, different tough times. Lord, we just need your love to shine through in our hearts this morning, to comfort us, to encourage us. But Lord, this morning, we are also a people who struggle to love you as we should and to love one another as we should. So we pray this morning that you would help us as we jump into your word to help us to have a better understanding of your love for us, to help us have a better understanding of our love for one another. Would your Holy Spirit speak to all of us this morning? We need to hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. Would you please be seated? The title of our sermon today, you could probably guess it, is Love One Another. Love One Another. And we've got three points that we're gonna look at today on what Christ has to say in the text we just read about loving one another. Here's our first point here. So how do we embrace one another? Well, Christ's love is our example. Christ's love is our example. That is the example that we follow. Look back in here with me in verses 12 and 13. Christ says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is not just simply describing a loving action. In fact, Jesus is actually alluding to the action that he himself will do to ultimately prove his love for his friends. Let me me set the stage here for you. We're at this point in the gospel of John chapter 15. Jesus is in the final hours of his life here on earth. 
He and his disciples have had the meal in the upper room. That's the same meal that we remember today through communion with the cup and the bread. And now at this point, he and his disciples are on the way uh, to the garden where he will be betrayed. And in just a few hours from this text though, Jesus will be arrested. He will be uh, beaten, betrayed, crucified, and he will die on a Roman cross to prove his love for his followers. Most of us have heard that many times, but what we really need to realize here is Jesus's willingness to go and to die on a cross for us. We didn't read this today, but in Matthew 26, when Jesus is arrested by the guards, some of his disciples pull out swords as if they're gonna stop the will of God from happening, as if they're gonna stop Jesus from going uh, to the cross. But Jesus tells his disciples, put your swords away. Don't you know that I can call on my father and he would send more than 12 legions of angels? But instead of exercising his divine divine right, his power, his authority to call down angels, Jesus chooses the beating. He chooses the flogging. He chooses the cross for our sake. And in doing so, he demonstrates the greatest proof of love for us, which is the example that we walk in. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5, 8. But God showed his love for this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a story about a small boy who was consistently late coming home from school and making it home in time for dinner. His parents warned him one day that he must be on time uh, that afternoon, but he defiantly arrived even later than usual. So his mother met him at the door, but she said nothing. And at the dinner table, the boy approaches the table, looks at his plate and find there was just a measly slice of bread and a glass of water. But then he looked at his father's plate and his mother's plate where he saw a, a hearty helping of meat and potatoes. And then he looked at his father, but his father remained silent, not making eye contact with him. The boy sat down, feeling crushed, realizing the gravity of his mistake. And the father patiently waited for that full impact to sink in with the boy. But then suddenly, the father took the boy's plate and placed it in front of himself. And then he took his own plate of meat and potatoes and placed it in front of the boy, smiling at his son, saying, eat and be full, my son. Later in life, that boy grew up to be a man. And he said, all my life, I've known what Christ is like by what my father did that night. Christ sets the example for us to follow. The first thing we need to understand about this is Christ isn't just loving. We say that about Christ. Oh, he's such a loving God. And that's true. But he isn't just loving. He is love. He is the standard to which all love measures. And there's no other love that compares than the love of the Father and the love of the Son, the love of the Holy Spirit. And if you're someone here who is in doubt, I can't say it any simpler, any plainer than this, that Jesus loves you. 
And he didn't just say that he loves us. He didn't say that he would do great things for us. He did those things and set the example and proving his love for us. And you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, but Tyler, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many times I've messed up. You don't know how many times I've repented yet running back. No, I don't, but he does. He knows. He knew when he was on the cross, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's because of our failings. It's because of our sufferings. It's because of our burdens that Christ came and died and rose again so that we can have hope, so that we can encounter his everlasting love for us. The second thing that we also need to understand is that his standard is the standard for us to follow. When we are in Christ, our lives become a testimony to who Christ is. I mean, like it or not, we are a walking advertisement, all right, in life. People are going to look at us. They're going to see, we're going to say things or or do things, and that that becomes an advertisement. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, is, are we going to be an advertisement for Christ? What What do I mean by that? Think about the major issues in the world today. Think about all the hot topics. Just look at the last five years alone of all the major things we hear on the news and social media, all this stuff that's going on in the world. Do we want to be a people who walk, who people know us by our opinions of how we think the world should run about this topic or that topic, how we would run the world if it was our way about this or that? Do we want people to know us by that? Or do we want people to know us by the example of Christ's love that we live by, that we set, and the way that we walk, the way that we talk to other people, the way we communicate, whatever form of communication that is. If I were to ask you today to think of two or three people that are hard to love, you could probably do that. And I I saw some ladies looking at their husbands. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, (laughs) are we willing to follow Christ and his example, to love everyone in the world, including people that are hard to love? Are we willing to follow his example? Well, how do we do that? Well, hang on for me. We're gonna see that here in point number two. But our second point here is how else do we embrace loving one another is that we need to understand love is not optional. Love is not optional. For Christ, going to the cross was not an option. I mean, could he have called down angels to bail him out of that situation? Absolutely. Would it have been righteous for him to do that? Absolutely. But for him, and listen carefully, being obedient to the Father was the only real option for him because there was nothing greater in heaven or on earth than the love of the Father. And his love to the Father, he obediently followed the will the Father had for him. That's not only the example that he sets for us to walk in, but that's the command that he gives us. Loving one another, just as he loved us, is not optional. Let's look back here in verses 14. Verse 14 says this, Christ again speaking, you are my friends. And if you do what I command, if you were, I'm sorry, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Let's reread, we're gonna reread verse 12 too. Verse 12 says this, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. 
We need to unpack this a little more because in our English, the temptation is to read verse 14 as a transactional statement. In other words, uh, it's, we, we might accidentally read it like, if you do this, then I will make you my friends. And that's not really what Christ is saying here. Rather, Christ is talking about evidence. Just as Jesus gave evidence of his love for us, our evidence of our love for him is that we follow him and his commands. In other words, this is the bottom line I'm getting at. Read it like this. We prove our friendship with Jesus by our willingness to do what he commands us. We, he already calls us friends, okay? Hear me clearly. We're already his friends. We're already, we already have his love. We don't have to earn it, okay? We don't have to work hard for it, but we do demonstrate our love for him when we obediently follow him and his commands. So what is he commanding us? Again, that we love one another just as he has loved us. We cannot, be, we cannot claim to be friends with Jesus if we are hating our brothers and our sisters around us. Take a look at these verses here in 1 John. Uh, both of these say this. They're, on your, they're in your notes, by the way. First um, John 4, 420. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not have the love, uh, for, for he who does not have the love of his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death or remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Just like we cannot love Christ and hate our brother, there's no, we can't say we walk in life yet remain in death through hate. His word makes it clear. There is no room for hate in Christ's kingdom. Love is the only option. An author recounts this story. There's a story of an eight-year-old boy who had a younger sister that he didn't get along with very well. Often the words, I hate you, came from their lips to one another. But one day, the little sister got sick with leukemia and she was succumbing to the symptoms from it. And the brother was told that without a transfusion, she would likely die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably a compatible match with hers And if so, he could be the blood donor. They asked him if they could test his blood, and he said yes. So they did, and it was a good match. It was a perfect match. Then they asked if they could give his sister, if he'd be willing to give his sister a pint of his blood, that it could only be her chance of survival. And he said he would have to think about it and get back to them. The next day, he went to his parents, and he said he was willing to donate all the blood that she needed. So they took him to the hospital where they put him on a gurney beside his six-year-old sister. Both of them were hooked up to IVs. A nurse withdrew the blood from the boy and put it into the girl's IVs. The boy lay on his gurney in complete silence while the blood dripped into his sister. The doctor came over to ask how he was doing and the boy opened his eyes and asked, how soon until I start to die? You see, Love is not just a mere emotion, it's an action. And love is the only option, the only action 
that brings people out of death and into life. Christ calls us to love one another. And that's not just the people around us that are easy to love, but especially the ones that are hard to love. And listen, I get it. There are some people that you know, right? I asked you to think two or three people. There's probably more for most of us. That you, there's people you know that are hard to love. And if you haven't met me, well, let me go ahead and tell you the first thing about me. I'm hard to love, okay? <laughs> I have a big personality. I have poor communication skills. I'm forgetful. I have quirks. I have flaws. I have sins I struggle with. There's brokenness and weaknesses about me. But yet, for whatever reason, Christ looked at me and decided that I need to encounter his everlasting love. And because of Christ's love for me, I am called to love all of you. I'm called to love everyone. We are called to love one another, not just the people that are easy to get along with. And I'm not, and here's the thing. We, a lot of times we think, oh, I love people. I love this person, this person, that person. But we've got to go outside of our social comforts. We've got to go outside of our social circles to love one another. We can't, we don't just, and here's, like I said earlier, love is not just an emotion. It's an action. Often that means loving people when you don't feel like loving them. But yet Christ loves us through his action. And, number, and point number one, I said, what are the ways that Christ calls to love us one another? And we would get, come back to that. Well, here we are. Here's just a few ways, a few verses that Christ calls us. These are all things that, were, uh, that Christ specifically said. John 15, we've already seen this. Christ states that it is our purpose that we love one another. It's our purpose that God has given us to love one another. Matthew 18 and Ephesians 4 out of love, we reconcile our differences and forgive one another. And listen, this is such a big one. Did you know, and these are real statistics, statistics by the way, that were done around 2018, 2019, that one of the top two reasons that people will leave a church is simply because of unreconciled issues. The Bible calls us to go to one another whenever this happens, to reconcile and be willing to forgive one another. But instead, what do we do? We take the easy road. When we get upset, when we get our feelings hurt, we just simply up and leave. We start distancing ourselves from someone and we start, we start, we start to get, pull ourselves away from them, never revealing to them that they've, we've been hurt by them. We're never giving them the opportunity to make it right. Listen, I, I said this at my, my home church, so I'm gonna say it here too. It's, we live in the holy city, right? Charleston nicknamed the holy city or another nickname, the city of a thousand steeples. It is too easy for us to just to get up and walk out and go to another church. It's way too easy, but that's not love. If we get up and someone's hurt us and we, we, we leave without trying to reconcile, that's not love. Love calls us that we must reconcile with one another rather than harboring bitterness and resentment towards one another. And listen, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm not saying if someone hurt you, you shouldn't feel hurt. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that the Bible gives us clear guidance and direction on how do we handle our hurt? What do we do for the sake of, our, of Christ's, Christ-like love towards our brothers and towards our sisters? And I know it's hard to do sometimes. Let's move on. Acts 2, serve one another helping to meet one another's needs. We love each other through serving each other. And listen, 
you can all, you all probably, I don't, I don't know the congregation as well, but, but from what I've heard, this church does a good job of serving, all right? But, it, but let me make this clear. Serving is something we are all called to do. Y'all got a new pastor coming. We're gonna need to serve. I'll just put it that way. We're all gonna have to step up and serve in some way. We can use our skills, we can use our talents, we can use our possessions, whatever God has given us to serve one another's needs. But let me warn you now, it's often gonna require we get out of our comfort zones to do it. Ephesians 6 and James 2, favoritism. We cannot love yet show favoritism. We covered some of this already, but we need to be willing to get to know other people, both inside of a church and outside of the walls of this church. And let me be the first to say, I am someone who has been guilty of showing favoritism. But let me tell you, Eastbridge, we, we you cannot be a community under Christ's kingdom if we are a church that's full of cliques. Otherwise, we just become a community of cliques. We've got to get outside of our social circles. We've got to stop showing favoritism in a way to where we can love one another the way Christ calls us to. By the way, I told you earlier that's one of the top two reasons that people leave a church is because of unresolved conflict. That's the other other reason. It's climbing community and social ladders of social circles. Acts 2 again, we need to have fellowship with one another. Church events, small group hangouts, but even beyond the church, Personally inviting people out to to your home or to a meal or to a get-together just to get to know them and love them. We often sit around and wait for someone to come up to us and invite us out to dinner. But let's start the trend of showing love for Christ by doing that ourselves and initiating that. Last one here, Galatians 6, praying for one another, but also praying with one another. There is nothing more encouraging and supporting than coming along someone and sharing their burdens with them hearing their burdens, hearing their story, letting them come to you to vent and then praying with them and following them up, following up with them in more prayer. These are just, listen, these are all just a few practical ways of how we can love one another. And if you're not good at some of these, that's okay. I don't think any of us here are good at all of these. But as long as we're willing to allow Christ to use us, he will come alongside us and help us to grow in these things. Third point here, what is, our, what is our final point on embracing love for one another? Our third point here that we need to understand is when loving Christ, Christ has chosen us to love. He has chosen you to love. In other words, you might be thinking, well, didn't we already say this already? Well, hear me out for a second. In other words, Christ has chosen you to love. We didn't just wake up one day and decide that we were gonna start loving Christ. Rather, verses 16 and 17 make it clear that Christ revealed himself to us and enabled our hearts to receive him. Look back with me in verses 15 through 17. Christ says, but I have called you friends for, that I have heard, for, uh, for all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The Greek word here uh, to choose is the word eglegomai, which means to pick up out of a group, to choose out of of a group. So Christ tells us that he chose us to follow him. Why? Well, first, 
Again, out of his love for us so that we can have life in his name, but secondly, for a purpose. Just as we read uh, here just a moment ago, we were appointed to go and bear fruit that enables us to love one another. This goes back to what Jesus was teaching in the first half of, verse, of chapter 15. We're not gonna read it all, but Jesus tells us that he is the true vine and only by abiding in that vine, only by remaining in Christ and walking in Christ can we bear fruit. Well, what are the fruits? You may, some of you may know all of these, but let me remind you of them from Galatians 5. Love, the first one. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Christ chose us to come out of the darkness, out of death, and called us into this light and into his love so that we can bear fruit for him and loving him and one another. The greatest things about his love for us is that we don't have to work at it as if we somehow can earn it or as if we somehow deserve it. He simply chose us. And it's a done deal. There's nothing we can do to take his love away from us. So when we love him and we love one another, we don't look at it as, oh, I have to love Christ. I have to love this person. Rather, our hearts should be that we get to love him and we get to love one another. I love my biological brother simply because he is my brother. We have fellowship between us because of the, of the biological blood that is common between us. And yet as Christians in the same likeness, we have common blood between all of us that unites us together in Christ. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, are we living in our God-given purpose of loving Christ and loving one another? We can't love Christ and not love one another. So as we get ready to close out here, I just wanna remind you of a couple things we've talked about today. First, Christ sets the greatest example of love for us by dying on the cross. In this, his love for us is, at the, is the very standard of love that we should demonstrate to one another. And secondly, loving Christ is equal and equates to loving one another. Are you willing to love those that are hard to love? Are you willing to go outside your social circles and comfort zones to demonstrate Christ's love to one another? Loving one another is how we demonstrate our love for Christ. And third, we love Christ only because he loved us first. We can't forget that. Out of his love for us, he chose to bear fruit. He chose us to bear fruit. So are we willing to live with the purpose of loving one another as he has enabled us to do? And listen, I said this earlier and I just wanna reiterate it again. We all struggle with some or all of these. We struggle with them now or we've struggled at the one point or we will struggle with them. But the thing is, is, is Jesus knows that. And yet out of his grace for us, out of his graciousness to us, he is still working on every single one of us. He loves you and he wants to use you to demonstrate his love to others. And be encouraged that his love for you is not based on merit, it's not based on performance, but rather out of, the, out of his faithful everlasting love. It's, it's a mystery. 
And yet, he's revealing himself to us through his love. He also, through his love, comes alongside us and continues to make us more and more to his likeness. But are we willing? And if you're here today, and if you're someone who's never embraced Christ's love for you, I want to encourage you to pray to him and ask him to open your heart to hearing and to understanding the good news of the gospel, that encountering his love, you may have eternal, everlasting life. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you once again to acknowledge that we are a needy people. Lord, every day we wake up and when we have breath in our lungs, it is a grace from you. Your word tells us that the morning sun brings word of your unfailing love for us. So Father, this morning we come before you. We ask, Lord, if there's just anybody here who just needs to be touched by your love, whose heart needs to be softened by your love, Father, would you pierce their heart? Would you pierce all of our hearts to understanding your love for us? Lord, your word makes it clear. You call us to not only to love you, but to love one another. And Father, that's often hard to do. But we ask that because of what you've done for us, that you would soften our hearts to loving not just you, but to loving one another, to loving those who are not yet part of your kingdom so that they can understand and come to know what the love of Christ is really like. We ask and pray all these things in your name. Amen.